can appreciate the message of that song that God makes beautiful things out of the dust. God makes beautiful things out of the people that he has created. Uh, God truly does make beautiful things. Um, and I think that so often we are quick to recognize that in other people, but we're a bit delayed in recognizing that in ourselves, that God has made beauty out of the chaos in our life, and that God still, especially when we're right in the middle of the chaos of our life, that God still transforms into beautiful, beautiful things. How many of you have heard uh, the, the, the phrase upcycling? Anyone? Even if you haven't heard this phrase, I'm sure that many of you have done this. Upcycling. Upcycling is the process of taking garbage, things that are unused or uh, useless, and turning them into very useful products. If you search the internet, the, the, the term upcycling, you'll find that, that people upcycle clothing, people upcycle furniture quite often, and they turn these otherwise useless or unused products into very beautiful, very useful products in the home, people will upcycle things and, and they sell them online and make quite a bit of money because they turn garbage into beautiful things. Here's what I want us to consider today as we continue in this series, Promised Land, as we very soon go to the second chapter of Joshua, I want us to consider this statement that God makes beautiful things out of garbage. Just let that settle in your minds for a moment. I'm not calling anyone here garbage. As Esther has said to me several times, God don't make no junk. Is that the way you say it, Esther? I'm not sure where that phrase came from, but I'm not on at all. I'm not on at all. There we go. Now I'm on. We'll see if it sticks. If it doesn't, then I'm going to have to use a wireless microphone, and that's not good for anybody. Because uh, I start waving my arms around, and sometimes I, my hand gets all, you know, sweaty, and I, I fling it over, and before we know it, I'm taking out one of the Randys. So, um, we'll see if we can get this lapel mic to work this morning. Uh, God makes beautiful things out of garbage. Amen? Uh, I, I mean, you don't, you amen it, so I guess it's already, you've already, I don't have to keep preaching, that's good. Uh, we've heard the, the, the song, the old chorus, we actually sang it last night, or heard it last night, Something Beautiful. Do you know this, this chorus? Something beautiful, something beautiful, all my confusion, we are just a all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he makes something I was hoping you'd say amen. Praise the Lord. God makes beautiful things out of garbage. And maybe, maybe I'm not 
putting you in the category of garbage, but some of the things that we are wrapped up in are pure garbage. Many of the things that we often find in our world today are garbage, and yet God makes beauty, beautiful things out of garbage. Consider just a few of the followers of Jesus. Peter himself, Peter, we know Peter walked with the Lord. He was one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples. Peter himself denied the name of Jesus Christ who had come to save him. Paul, a religious zealot, he was murdering Christians in the name of religion and in the name of God. David, a bloodthirsty king who was a coveting womanizer. And then there's this woman who is named Rahab. I'm coming back on. The yellow microphone. Yellow. Not that anybody else cares to get her here. It's on. See, that's a talk the other way. Now I'm on. Up on his 
confession of the prostitute is mentioned there with it. I wouldn't even description it. I mean, just, you know, soften it just a little bit, right? Call Rahab a, a hostess in the city of Jericho. That's what I prefer. Maybe call her an entertainer. You know, something. There's, there's, there's other terms for it. I warned my wife last night that came for the, the Saturday evening service. I said, hey, just be aware. I'm going to say prostitute at least five times. You might have some explaining to do after the service. I mean, you know, come on, scripture. They could have concealed it just a little bit. Veil it, mask it, don't even mention it at all, but instead, God ordains that scripture, the Bible, does just the opposite. It points a neon sign at Rahab and her profession as a prostitute. The mention of her career is even, is even called out in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of fame. If there's somewhere that I want my name, if I'm in Scripture, if I'm in the Old Testament, I want my name mentioned in the New Testament, I want it mentioned in Hebrews 11. That's the hall of faith. That's the faithful followers of the Lord that had a, made a profound impact in the gospel. I mean, that's the hall of fame right there. We've got Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and then the prostitute Rahab. Boom. Who they are, what they're there 
four. And Rahab invites him in. The king of Jericho was told, look, this is chapter 2, verse 2. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. They're over at Rahab's place. Let's head on over to the brothel and let's arrest them. So the king of Jericho sent his message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and she had hidden them. That is not what the, what the, uh, the guards expect. That's not what I care to say the Hebrews, the Israelite spies, had expected. But she hid them, it says in verse 4. She said, yes, the men came to me. Now she's lying. She's deceiving the guards. It's a moral question there. We're not even going to touch this. Uh, but hey, she, she lies to the guards right here. It's in scripture. Yes, they came to me, but I did not know where they came from. That's a lie. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. That's a lie. I don't know which way they went. That's a lie. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. That's a lie. But she had taken them up to the roof. This is how we know it's all a lie. She had taken them up to the roof, and she had hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men, the guards, they set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. So there's Rahab. She invites these two spies in. Come on in. She hears the, the guards coming. She sees their torches coming down the, the alley. And she says to the men, hurry, go up to the roof. I, I'm going to hide you out there. I'll lie to these guards. I'll send them on their way. And then I'll come back and I'll get you. So she takes them up to the roof. She covers them over. Good hiding spot. She heads on back down. She hears the guards at the door. She goes in. And she deceives them. See, I can only imagine that the, sp the spies that night, they were stunned as they entered into Jericho. They were stunned as they entered into Rahab's home. I imagine that they were stunned because let's remember that the Hebrews, the Israelites, had hidden out in the wilderness for 40 years, afraid of what the, the, the Canaanites in Jericho were about to do to them. It wasn't long before this that, 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 that uh, Moses had sent 10 spies into the land, Joshua being one of them, and they said, don't even think about it. Those Canaanite people, they're giants. They're like, and we'd be like grasshoppers to them. They'd squash us. So the Hebrews entered, the spies entered. They're hiding their faces. They're stunned now as they stand in Rahab's home because they never expected to find cowards in Jericho. They never expected to find cowards among the Canaanites. And more than that, they never expected to find faith in a brothel. But that's exactly what they found. Verse 8 of chapter 2, before the spies lay down for the night, she, Rahab, went up on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that the great fear 
so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Listen to this, listen to this. Rahab found God. Put in a maybe better way, God found Rahab. God saw the beautiful heart of Rahab and he reached out to save her. The truth is that God would have saved the entire city of Jericho. He would have saved all of the Canaanites. But no one else responded to his call. No one else responded to his offer of salvation. Then again, maybe Rahab had an advantage over the rest of the city. See, she had nothing to lose. She was on the bottom rung. She had already lost her reputation. She had lost her social standing. She was at the bottom of the pit. The reality is, so many of us are in this same place. We might not sell our body, but we've sold our allegiance. We've sold our affection. We've sold our attention. The reality is, so many of us have sold out completely. And as we consider and as we focus on entering into that promised land, maybe there's doubts in your mind. If you wonder about the promised land, you doubt that it's possible for you to live in and to prosper and to succeed in the promised land, maybe you think, well, there's a promised land for some people, the good people. There's a promised land for people who have never made mistakes in their past, but I'm too broken. I'm too hurt. I've sinned too much. I've stumbled too often. I've struggled too much. I'm just not worthy of the promised land life. Because although I hide it from so many other people, I just feel like I'm in the garbage pit of society. Surely God doesn't have a promised land life for me. See, friends, the reality is we have to think that. God has a, do we ever speak those words? Do we ever share them with the Lord in prayer? God has a one-word response to any of our doubts about the promised land. He replies, look at Rahab. Rahab. This is where you are as you consider that promised land life, that invitation that God has. God says, what about Rahab? Anytime our enemy tries to whisper in our ear and convince us that we're just not worthy of the promised land, the promised land life that God has intended for us, maybe our enemy tries to convince us that there's a promised land for a select few. Let's consider Rahab, or even the account of her New Testament counterpart, the woman at the well, found in John chapter 4. By the time Jesus met the woman at the well, she was already on a very steep downward spiral of life. She had very little hope left. She had very little future left. She had five ex-husbands, half a dozen children, all of which looked like a different father. There was gossip throughout town, slander about her name, spread throughout town. Think about this. The woman at the well, she, she 
enough to escape the gossip. So that she doesn't have to listen to the whispers under their breath. So Jesus shows up, this stranger, and he begins to speak to her. He offers hope to her. The promise, he says, of endless water and of quenched thirst. Jesus wasn't put off by this Samaritan woman's past, just the opposite. Jesus spoke beauty out of the garbage of her life. And today, Jesus still speaks beauty out of the garbage that we often find ourselves in. God makes beautiful things out of garbage. The Hebrew spies, as it turns out, Joshua 2, they weren't sent there truly as spies. In fact, they were missionaries. And they thought that they were on some reconnaissance mission. They thought that they were gathering intel that God needed before he sent the Hebrew people and his people into the land. God didn't need some scouting report from two spies. See, because God already knew what he planned to do with Jericho. He planned, I believe, he already knew he planned to miraculously crumble the walls around Jericho. Instead, God didn't send the spies to collect data. He sent the spies there to reach Rahab and to reach her family. This is what we're told in verse 18 of Joshua chapter 2. The spies told Rahab, tie this scarlet cord in the window so that we can identify your house. When we come back, tie this scarlet in your window, then run outside so that when we come back, we can identify your house. So without hesitation, she obeyed their instructions. Spies escape. They go up into the dark of night. Rahab makes preparation. She tells her family, tells her entire family, gather up, stay in my house. The Hebrew army is coming back. Joshua, their captain, he's coming back. Here's what I have to do. I know it sounds silly, but I have to tie this scarlet cord, this scarlet rope out of my window so that they can identify they're at my house. You guys stay here. We're safe. We're secure right here. And when Joshua and the Hebrew army comes back, we're all going to be saved when everything else is destroyed. And so when the Hebrews come back, the walls fall. We know the story. We'll talk about it a little bit more in the weeks to come. The walls of Jericho go crumbling down, as the psalm says. Everyone else perishes, but Rahab and her family are saved. Here's what it says in, in Hebrews 11.31. It says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab was not killed with those who were disobedient.
for the coming of Joshua and the Hebrew army. See, we don't tithe and scarlet before God our Lord, do we? But we do trust in the prince and dread of Jesus Christ alone. We don't put our hope in the coming of Joshua and some Hebrew army, but we do prepare for the second coming of our Joshua, Jesus Christ. God makes beautiful things out of garbage. So the question today as we close is this. Are you placing your trust in the crimson thread of Jesus Christ alone? Are you right now placing your trust in the crimson thread of Jesus Christ's blood for your salvation, for your power, and for your worth? Are you prepared and still preparing this day for the second coming of Jesus Christ with an awareness and with an anticipation that if you come at any moment, we're called to be watchful for just as Rahab watched for the, the coming of Joshua and the Hebrew army. We are to watch for the coming of Christ. We are to be aware. We are to be prepared. And we are to anticipate his coming into our lives. Father God, I pray today. I pray today, Lord Jesus, you would bless me, God. I pray today, Lord Jesus, that this story, this account, Lord God, we read of Joshua 2, we read of Rahab the prostitute, we read, Lord God, of the two spies entering Jericho, we read, Lord God, of how, how the, she was spared, her family was spared as they entered into the city, Lord Jesus. I pray today, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak in a powerful way, God, where, where we have a, 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 a checkered past, where we have questions in our mind about the, the, the promised land that you have for us, God, the way you love us, the way you accept us, God, would you remove those things from us? Lord God, would you, would you give us uh, pure thoughts, Lord Jesus, when our enemy whispers in our ear trying to deceive us and trying to trying to take us away, Lord God, from the promise that you have for us. Lord Jesus, would you call us, just as these two spies were sent directly to the home of Rahab, Lord God, to speak salvation, to, to, to share the, the path, Lord God, of salvation with her, Lord Jesus. Would you send us out to, as missionaries, Lord God, not as spies in this community, but God as missionaries, in this community. God, send us particularly, God, to the, the Rahab that you have for us, Lord God. Send us, Lord God, to, to those people who, who have questions of their, their future in you, questions, Lord Jesus, of their, their worth, Lord God, in you. Lord Jesus, would you send us, Lord God, as missionaries into the community around us. Lord Jesus, we will give you the glory out of 
share how God continues to do that day after day after day. My challenge for each and every one of us is to, depending on the Lord, share your story. How God has shown amazing grace to your, in your life. And just as the spies were sent to reach Rahab, may we be sent out as missionaries.